one Charlie. Mark, one Charlie. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. T minus 37 seconds. The fight is going E equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovations. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Welcome to Voice America. My name is Jeff Spinard. I'm your host. I am the CEO and president of World Talk Radio, home to the Voice America Talk Radio and TV networks. Joining me, of course, my co-host, 13-year colleague, 18-year veteran and Vice President of Broadcast Operations, Mr. Ryan Treasure. Hey, Jeff. It's Friday again. Finding your frequency back in full effect right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Like I always say every week, I love Fridays. Yes, Fridays are always <laughs> a great day. It's favorite day of the week as far as it goes. Love doing the show. Love bringing new uh, concepts, ideas, and information to our audience. So, absolutely. Last week, Ryan, as we normally do, we cover our last week get last week's guest, uh, Mr. Carl Young. Yeah, Carl came into the studio and dropped a little knowledge on us as it relates to uh, some of the uh, uh, cannabis and hemp kind of mm-hmm. pharmaceutical manufacturing components and the uh, nutraceuticals, the nu- yeah, nutraceutical, and the medical uses of the. Uh, what'd you say? Uh, it was of uh, cannabis and the hemp. Nootropics? Yeah, nootropics. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What's that? Uh, it's uh, Hermes, what's it come? HR. Yeah, I cannot even pronounce <laughs> it off the top of my head. Carl, but I'm Carl sorry, Young. I'll get that straight. <laughs> <laughs> He's on Facebook, though. You can go find him at Carl Young and uh, hit him yeah. up. He's a really cool guy. I friended him on Facebook since we've connected uh, and done the show and uh, following him right along. And uh, he, he's uh, one of those intellectual types and posts yeah. really cool stuff on social. So yeah. definitely a good guy to meet and definitely go find out about nootropics. Yeah. And you know what? As far as, uh, you know, the background and, you know, f- you know, he had that accident where it was a near-death experience. You know, the spiritual, you know, it awoken the spiritual. I got electrocuted. Yeah, man. 404, uh, 440 volts. I mean, you know, just uh, that'll wake you up. That'll make your hands stand up straight. Or melt. Just something like that. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, listen, we got a lot of great stuff happening. We got an excellent interview today. Uh, but what the heck is going on with this weather? What's, what's, what's Mother Nature saying to us, Ryan? I don't know. It's uh, definitely pretty crazy because there's just a slew of hurricanes hitting uh, the United States. What's weird, isn't it weird? Like, why the U.S.? Why why is all of these things hitting the U.S.? And I know that they're hitting, you know, stuff in the Caribbean and the Bahamas and, you yep. know, all of those Caribbean areas. But, man, it just seems like we are can't catch a break. You get Houston getting a pounding, you know, from uh, Harvey. And then right around the corner here in the next couple of days, Florida's going to take a blunt force trauma hit with Irma. And, man, I just want to send out thoughts and prayers to yep. all those folks that are dealing with that and Absolutely let them know that. Prayers uh, go out for sure. Uh, you We're know, Houston, right, was Harvey. Florida is Irma. The Atlantic is Jose. You've got uh, Katia coming up the Gulf Coast. It's just crazy. And, you know, prayers go out. In fact, next week's guest, uh, Ron Klein uh, and Arlene Klein, who are in Florida, are actually sticking it out and they're staying there, which I don't necessarily agree with, but... 
my prayers definitely go out there. <laughs> you know, so. I think normally when you look at uh, hurricane season and stuff like that, um, they're generally not the size of what Irma is. No. I was reading some articles this morning on the Weather Channel's website, and that hurricane is literally as wide as Florida is long. It's 400 miles wide. Brutal. And currently Brutal. I just uh, got an alert on my phone, and I guess it took a little westward shift and is for surely going to make landfall and go directly up uh, the Florida Panhandle, man. So definitely, like I have some friends that live in Orlando, and Orlando's like sixty-five miles or something like that inland right. from from right. the ocean. And even there, are uh, saying that they could get up to twenty-five to thirty inches of rain, and that's Damn. inland. That, that's a lot. I mean, you know, we get hit with stuff like that, uh, but we also get earthquakes, uh, you know, hurricanes, tornadoes. Uh, we don't get the tsunamis though, and some of the big stuff that wipes out, you know entire countries uh so yeah on that end i could be okay with that irma's that kind of storm man um i was reading um you know my wife and i we uh, took our honeymoon thank you uh in st thomas jeff helped us out to get there it was fantastic but um, my gift to the couple literally half of st thomas is gone it demolished st martin gone it's demolished the pictures there are are absolutely insane like literally the island is just a bunch of rubble that's uh, it's awful. You guys, awful. we have a, a, a banner ad on the homepage of voiceamerica.com um, to go donate and help out those victims. We'll have another one that we're going to post up, obviously, to help support uh, the stuff that's going to be happening with Irma. So we'll have a, a, a dual uh, banner rotation up there so you guys can uh, uh, donate to the Harvey folks help and then the as cause, well uh, as the Irma. And I know that uh, cool thing as football started, right? We can uh, segue right into that. But did you see that J.J. Watt, who plays for the Houston Texans, um, him and his buddies all got together to kick in uh, a fund and all that kind of stuff for the Harvey victims, and they raised $20 million. Wow. $20 million. $20 mil. And then he put out a press release statement. Uh, I don't know if it was last night or this morning. I read it this morning, but uh, they're going to be uh, doing the same efforts and adding on and using that same money to help out the folks for Irma, too. So Dude, that's big a shout out to those. $20 million bucks. I mean, what, what kind of reach or what kind of... What kind of following do you have to to raise twenty million that quickly? You're JJ Watt, the best defensive player in the history of the game. Apparently, you <laughs> I know. don't let Ray Lewis hear that I said that. I don't want him knocking on my door. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, Ray, you raise twenty two million, you'll be all right. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, unfortunately, my Patriots lost last night. However, I got to say this. You know what? When you've Witness the dynasty. Uh, the Patriots can come in last place for the next 20 years. I'm okay with that. You know, I was telling you when uh, <laughs> just before the show, interesting kind of little trivia pieces. Uh, the last time that the Patriots lost their season opener to the Kansas City Chiefs, they won the Super Bowl that 2014. year. 2014 uh, against yep. Seattle. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, never count out the GOAT and Belichick. Heck no. Ever, ever, ever. <laughs> you know what? The Patriots, you know, when they lose, they lose in the beginning of the season. And then they lose sometime, maybe the end of October, if they're going to lose. So their losses always come in the beginning of the year, 
and then one a couple games before the playoffs, and they're good to go. Yeah, and I have one one last sports shout out as we're kind of getting near the end of this segment and getting into our interview and the rest of the content for today. But I'm a big hometown team fan. Mm-hmm. I know you are for your uh, your team's Absolutely back east, right. so you're a Red Sox fan. But my lord, are the Diamondbacks like <laughs> on <laughs> flipping fire? 14 straight games. They blew out the Dodgers for six games in a row. Did they? they three games at home. No. Three games here in Arizona literally just annihilated them. When they started this stretch, the Diamondbacks were 21 games behind first place. And who was in first place? The Dodgers. How many games? Oh, okay. Right, right. Now they're only nine away. Oh, the now okay. They I were th- twenty-one games out. I thought out. they actually were like right in there. They're in. They're already in for like the playoffs, but to win the division, okay, they were twenty-one right. games at back, which is like no one's the ever going to make up twenty-one huge, games. Right. And now they're only nine because they just went on this crazy fourteen-win yeah. streak. So it's fantastic. They you play. Know, I, they play tonight. When it comes to sports, you know, it's been a while since I was fully engaged. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to hometown, you know, New England is my hometown sports, but I do like the Diamondbacks and I get into, you know, oh, yeah. Arizona sports as well. Uh, but yeah, I'll always be in New England. And you know what? So, that's a great segue too, as we talk about Arizona sports coming up right after this commercial break, we have uh, a very fantastic person who lives right here in the great state of Arizona. And you're going to hear from Mr. Frank, Mr. Frank Shankowitz. Shankowitz. Yeah. And he Make is the, one Foundation. of the founders of the make a wish foundation. You guys check us out all over social media. We're at facebook.com forward slash finding a frequency net. And of course, all over Twitter, Jeff's at Jeff Spinney two. I'm at radio Ryan one and stay tuned. We'll come back with a fantastic interview with Mr. Frank Shankwitz from Make-A-Wish. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life is complicated and sometimes we all need a little help, but don't have the time for a full hour-long session or don't know who to turn to. That's where BetterHelp comes into play. With BetterHelp, I can get matched with one of over 2,500 licensed and approved counselors and therapists and get help anytime, anywhere, totally private. For a flat weekly fee starting at $35, I can connect with my counselor via text, chat, video conference, or phone, which is great for me because I'm always on the go. And I can go back to previous sessions whenever I want through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We all can use a little help. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash VA health and register for free. You can try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get better help today at betterhelp.com forward slash VA health. If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends, you set them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. You're tuned into Finding Your Frequency with hosts Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. Connect with the show. Call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. 
Welcome back to Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Jeff Spinard. And I'm your co-host, Ryan Treasure. And we have a very special guest with us today. Mr. Frank Shankwitz is best known as the creator and a founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, an extraordinary charity that grants wishes to children with life-threatening illnesses. From humble beginnings, the Make-A-Wish Foundation is now a global organization that grants a child's wish somewhere in the world on an average of every 28 minutes. That's amazing. That's impressive. Frank is a U.S. Air Force veteran and has a long and distinguished career in law enforcement. He began as Arizona Highway Patrol motorcycle officer and retired a homicide detective with the Arizona Department of Public Safety with 42 years of service behind him. That's a lot. That is. Frank has been featured in numerous publications and television shows and received several awards, including the White House Called the Service Award from the President, Mr. George W. Bush. W. Yeah. <laughs> in 2015, Frank joined six U.S. presidents, as well as Nobel Prize winners and industry leaders, as a recipient of the Ellis Island Medal of Honor of Public Services. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome to the show a Arizonian, much like ourselves, <laughs> Mr. Frank Shankwitz. Frank, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you're quite welcome. You know what, Frank, the accolades, I could have kept reading for at least another 20 minutes, uh, but I wanted to get some time to talk to you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, finding your frequency has always been about, you know, talking to uh, professionals and just, just great people all across this country to find out how they found their frequency. Uh, you've done some great things in your career. Where did that all start off, Frank? Well, I started out in a childhood, a very, I guess, unusual childhood for what people might consider. Um, when I was two years old, my mother abandoned me and um, uh, left me with my father. Uh, when I was five years old, she kidnapped me off a playground and for the next five years eluded my father who was always trying to find me ended up in michigan and it was a very very i guess traumatic childhood we lived in a tent we lived in our car there was food was always an issue she would work for two weeks in one town leave just so my dad couldn't find us wow but but eventually at, at 10 years old uh we ended up in a little town, Sligman, Arizona, up on Route 66, Oh yeah, where she completely ran out of money, ran out of everything, and a ranch family took us in. And a little town of Sligman then was predominantly uh, Mexican Indian. It was a railroad town, a, a ranching town, and uh, people just started taking care of us. And a mentor of mine uh, named Juan Delgadillo, who, who founded the uh, iconic snowcap up in Sligman, Arizona, which is still packed today, even though Juan has passed away, became my father figure. And I, I started working full-time as a dishwasher at 10 years old. But Juan just said, Frank, when you can, give back. And I said, Juan, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. We can't even afford to eat. How can I possibly give back? Right. And Juan said, you don't have to have money to give back. He said, look at Mrs. Sanchez. She's always bringing you and your mother beans and tortillas just so you have something to eat. But look at her yard. It's full of weeds. She's a widow. You can go and clean up that yard. You can help Mr. Ortega paint that old wrecked caboose that they're trying to make into a family home. 
so he taught me that whole thing of giving back, and I just kept that lesson my whole life. That is a great lesson to learn, and you absolutely uh, keep giving, that's for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. When I read stories about people giving back, and you know, um, I'm, I'm an avid sports fan, so I'm always reading about what kind of you know give back sports and celebrities folks are doing, and you know, uh, uh, the guy from the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, yeah, 62 home runs, maybe. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> he, uh, one of his things, you know, was that way when he came up from uh, from the minor leagues, and you know, he just started donating his time to the Phoenix Children's Hospital, uh, and and that was one thing that had always resonated with me about, you know, you know, you, that's right. You don't have to have money to give back. You can right. donate your time and you know help out your community and 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 really give <sighs> back in that capacity. So that's just a fantastic lesson to learn, and you know, hopefully imparting that knowledge on all of our listeners to give back as well. For sure. And yeah, Frank, it's so simple. It's so simple. Just just try and take care of somebody else. You know, you have that built in within you. It shows throughout your career. Um, you know, from a child that, you know, was on the run with his mother, uh, learning valuable les- lessons to help other people. Uh, now you uh, joined the military at some point. Is that correct? Yeah, after after high school, I joined the Air Force, and uh, I wanted a college education. I could not afford it, so I thought I'll take advantage of hopefully the GI Bill. Right. And uh, spent uh, it was Vietnam era, but they sent me to England, and uh, I spent a majority of my Air Force career in England. And then coming home, um, did take advantage of the GI Bill, moved down to the Phoenix area, and uh, went to work for Motorola because they were hiring the veterans. They wanted to hire the veterans. And because of the work ethic, and uh, that was the hippie generation, <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking the, the middle 60s, and, and the, the veterans had the work ethic they were looking for. And Motorola encouraged the college courses, assisting with the GI Bill, and it was just a great environment to work for. Uh, but I became very bored with that. I was, I was a, a statistical engineer, and several of my uh, classmates from high school had joined the Arizona Iowa Patrol, and just kept kidding me. So why don't you join it? That's an adventure. You're kind of an adrenaline freak. Yeah, right. uh, yeah see, see, see what you think about it. So on a whim, I just applied for it. And that particular uh, hiring process, there were 10,000 applicants, and they chose wow. 50. And, and you were uh, one of the 50. And I was one of the 50, and it just began this great, very fortunate career that I had. Yeah, that's awesome. I was reading in some of your information that uh, you ended up being a, a motorcycle patrolman as part of a new tactical unit. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, it was. Uh, this is now in the early seventies, and it was a ten-man uh, TAC unit that worked the whole state of Arizona. Two weeks in one town, two weeks in another town, and uh, it was during this time that the TV show Chips became very yeah, popular. Right, right. And if and if their listeners don't remember that, it was the adventures of two California. I would yeah. motorcycle officers, Ponch and John, and the kids loved it. <laughs> the, the children from the ages of like the 6 to the 14 just loved that show. And when we went into these little towns all over Arizona, it was always our two-man unit, just like chips. All of a sudden, the children are... Oh, yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, the children are waving at us. Hey, Ponch, hey, John. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we took advantage of that. I asked permission if we could go to the grade schools and talk to the kids about bicycle safety which the kids could care less about. They just wanted to get on the motorcycles. But it was a great PR tool. All Absolutely. of a sudden, the children weren't afraid of the police officers anymore. 
Yeah, you know, that's awesome that you guys did that. And I can uh, I, I can actually speak from experience in this when um, I think I was probably five or six years old and my mom took me to uh, one of the places where the Arizona Department of Highway Patrol was going to be at with the motorcycle crew. Right. And I have a picture of me sitting on a, a, a DPS, uh, like a motorcycle back, in, back in the 80s. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So when did the Highway Thanks, Patrol uh, turn into a homicide detective? Well, I, I did uh, 11 years with the uh, uniform and then um, got promoted to detective, and that was in the mid-'80s. And my first assignment was in narcotics, working in undercover narcotics, and then eventually general investigations, and from there was promoted to homicide detective and spent the majority of my career uh, working out of homicide. Now, Arizona, they say homicide for DPS. The smaller towns and cities around Arizona do not have their own homicide unit. So as the state police, they would call us in to do the investigations. Okay. I, I would imagine that's got to be uh, a very, well, I hate to say interesting career, but, I mean, what what's it like being, you know, a homicide cop? Well, it's... it's um, Challenging, exciting, especially the chase. Yeah. Trying, trying to, first of all, who is the suspect in the uh, case? And then where is he finding him? And literally, we're, we're all over the United States working with other state police agencies in trying to locate our suspects. It's got to be one heck of a feeling, though, when you bring forth to justice somebody like that that's like the worst of the worst of criminals. It, it is, and especially it brings closure to the family. Exactly. That, that's exactly. the most important part, bringing closure to the family. Which is absolutely a pattern with you, you know, get, you know, ma- making sure that you're helping someone uh, to satisfy a need. So, you know, kudos to you on that. Um, now, moving, you know, from uh, a great career uh, in the police force, uh, you're not done yet. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a new career going on. <laughs> so talk to us about um, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. When do you get into the Make-A-Wish Foundation? Well, uh, and, and I have to back up a little bit. Um, in 1978, when I was on that motorcycle tax squad, I was involved in a high-speed chase over in the Parker, Arizona area uh, with a drunk driver when another drunk driver pulled right in front of me. And I hit him broadside at 80 miles an hour. Uh, on a, on a bike? Crash. Yeah, on the motorcycle. Ooh. People said the crash was spectacular. Um, I was pronounced dead at the scene. Ooh. My partner could not revive me. Um, and an off-duty emergency room nurse just ignored his orders. And <laughs> obviously, I'm talking. Kept working, worked for right. four minutes and brought me back to life. And it Thank took the about Lord six for that months. Moment. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it took about six months to recover from that accident. And during that time, I said, why was I spared? Every police officer I've ever worked with, including myself, believes in a higher being. Why, why did God spare me on this? And then it was in 1980 where I'm back to work riding motorcycles, and I receive a call from our commanders that a U.S. Customs agent named Tom Austin had befriended a seven-year-old boy named Chris. And Chris had terminal leukemia, only a couple weeks to live, and he contacted our department because Chris, his heroes were Ponch and Sean from mm-hmm. Chips. And he told his mother, when I grow up, I want to be a motorcycle officer like Ponch and John. And I wish, that was that first time we heard that word, I wish I, wish. I could meet a motorcycle officer. 
So our department got very involved. I just happened to be the one that they chose to meet this little boy um, because of my work with the children around the state for the years prior. And I had no idea what to expect. Uh, our helicopter, with the permission of his mother and doctors, went to his hospital in Scottsdale, picked him up, and flew him to our headquarters building in Phoenix, where I was standing by with a motorcycle. And we had initially trained with California Highway Patrol. Our equipment, our uniforms were almost identical, except ours obviously said Arizona. Mm-hmm. And this helicopter landed, a little pair of red sneakers jumps out, runs over. Hi, I'm Chris. Can I get on your motorcycle? This little boy is just ecstatic. And he had watched Chip so much that he knew every switch and button on that motorcycle. This is a siren. Can I turn it on? These are your red lights. These are the flashes. What's in your saddlebag? That's great. Same as Punch. (laughs) And I'm looking at his mother, and she's got tears in her eyes. And at first, I I couldn't figure it out. Then it dawned on me, she has a seven-year-old boy back. He's having fun just like a typical seven-year-old. And this yeah. little boy had just come off the hospital from IVs. Ah. But Chris went on that day to become the first and only honorary highway patrol officer in the history of the highway patrol. Now, this is 37 years ago. Mm-hmm. Complete with a, uh, a certificate making him a full police officer, his own badge. Uh, we had a custom-made oh, uniform cool, yeah. for him. But more important, his motorcycle wings. That was the big thing oh, for him, the uniform wings. And unfortunately, Chris died a couple of days later. Oh. And we learned he was going to be buried in Illinois. My commanders asked if I would go back with another motorcycle officer and give him a full police funeral. Our commander said, we have lost a fellow officer, which we did. And we were joined by Illinois State Police, City Police, County Police, that all gave this little boy a full police funeral. Oh. He was buried in uniform. His grave marker reads, Chris Gracious, Arizona Trooper. But flying home, I just started thinking, there's a boy who had a wish, and we made it happen. Why can't we do that for other children? And that's when the idea was born. It's a brilliant idea. It's been giving for so many years. Yeah, The foundation has become just... You just just huge. I mean, you guys are you know making wishes. I believe it's every twenty eight minutes. That, that, that's an astounding figure to me. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, the uh, um, Phoenix office gave me a new figure that now in thirty seven years, because it's now a worldwide foundation, and we have granted in the last thirty seven years four hundred and fifteen thousand wishes. Oh my God, that's amazing. That yeah, that that to me we're approaching that half million mark, and it's a shame that there are that many children that have that life-threatening illnesses, but at least the foundation is there to give them a little hope and joy and comfort. You know, it's it's one of the one of the most awesome foundations, you know, even from you know, from my perspective, just because I have a personal touch on this. When I was eleven years old, there was a little boy who lived like, you know, three or four blocks away from my house and um, I'd always just like ride my bicycle around you know, the neighborhood and I would always see his mother. They didn't have a vehicle, so she was always walking to the store, which was, you know, a half a mile up the road and getting their groceries and, and things like that. And so, you know, uh, as my mom had always told me to help out the neighbors when I can and so, you know, I, I actually met her son because I was helping her take groceries back to her house and had them all, you know, all on my bike and stuff and taking them over to the house. And I met this little boy and, you know, I think he was seven and I was 11. And uh, the the thing that was so cool about it was, you know, he had leukemia and, you know, I got to know him very well and would come over and help out. And um, I remember the day that he got his make a wish wish and, you know, they showed up at his house and he loved video games and, you know, his wish was to like play every video game that he really liked. And 
and I remember I remember uh, Atari and Nintendo showed up at his house in their little Atari and Nintendo cars and literally brought him every single game that Nintendo or Atari had ever made and the consoles to play all of them That's and just cool. donated all of that and you know just like Frank was saying you know seeing you know the mom you know, so excited that her kid was being able to be a kid at that time. I, I got to joy. I got to witness something similar to that when I was growing up, and it was uh, one of the most profound things that like I ever felt as a human being, even to this day. You know, just kind of seeing all uh, of that. So highly impactful. Yeah, for sure. Just just the the sheer happiness that that provides to those families is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I always like to call it miles of smiles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, a, a fitting uh, uh, tagline. Now, Frank, we're going, uh, okay, so you have uh, a fantastic career uh, in law enforcement, uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation, uh, you know, for 37 years and 415,000 granted wishes. I mean, that's just an amazing number that blows my mind. Um, You're now making a movie, I understand, kind of documenting your, uh, your life. Well, yeah, it's very flattering. I was approached by Hollywood, as we call it, yep. <laughs> about four about four years ago. I was giving a keynote speech at a, uh, a convention in San Diego, and a gentleman came up to me and he said, uh, "I'm the owner of Triple uh, Three Films, and we want to do a feature motion picture on your life." And I kind of heard in my mind, "We want to do a documentary." And, well, okay, we'll just do a short documentary. He said, no, we want to do a feature motion <laughs> yeah, picture. Yeah, a short documentary, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it kind of took me aback, but it's very flattering, very humbling, and uh, we've been working on this now for four years, and I say we because they've got me very involved. I help with yeah. the screenplay, um, help with the locations, and we actually start filming up here in northern Arizona in the Prescott area. Awesome. Next Wednesday is the first day of shoot, September Excellent. 6th. Whoever decided to shoot that in Prescott was the smartest human being on planet Earth because that place is beautiful. I have family that live up there, and uh, it's it's very great and fantastic. I love that well, place. Well, thank, thank I, you for complimenting me on that because I, I pushed <laughs> it. <and pushed. laughs> that was you, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, they, that, wanted a, they wanted to film in the Phoenix area, obviously where everything originally happened, but uh, again, because of the heat, because of the cost of permits, yep. and because this is my hometown, the uh, city of Prescott, the Yavapai County Board of Supervisors, Frank, what do you need? We'll just give it to you. We'll waive the permit fees. Awesome. Uh, and plus, it's featuring the town. We're bringing a lot of money yeah. into the town. Of course. Uh, the town helped me when I was a teenager. Uh, so now I'm giving back to the town that helped me. I follow you on Facebook, and I thought it was just amazing. I've been watching, like, the they do, like, casting calls for folks, and then Frank will put out a post about, you know, the people that are coming in to cast for the movie and all that. And um, Frank, as you know, I'm, like, uh, an Arizona native and love all things Arizona. I've been here my whole life. So when I uh, – well, you and I and Jeff, we kind of p- crossed paths a little bit earlier in the year with the City Gala Summit and all those events that were happening and Rock Against Trafficking – back in LA and, oh, uh, sure, and so yeah. that's that's where you and I connected on social media and so I've been following you ever since then and uh, it's just awesome to see that all of this is happening in my home state <laughs> <laughs> it is cool and Frank you know I've uh, I've known you for years well when I you know we don't call each other on the phone and hello and all but I've known you for years from different events and you know uh, with uh, 
especially even on the influencers channel. You know, uh, Clarissa Burt, she's a friend and she's been, I've known her for 10 years and she's very good friends with you and, you know, Greg Reed and you know, the Dan Clarkson. You know, you are involved uh, in an organization uh, where you're continuously out on the road speaking and just helping people to move their career paths forward. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, again, I was so fortunate. I was at a, a Make-A-Wish event in San Diego area, and uh, in fact, it was Greg Reed that you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, because I've been a keynote speaker for Make-A-Wish for their galas, their uh, fundraisers, meet and greets for years. And he said, how much do you charge for your speaking events? And I said, well, I don't charge for Make-A-Wish. It's, it's our organization. I love it. He said, no. He said, on your own speaking events. And I said, well, I've never done that. And he said, why not? We're going to change that. Yeah. And uh, Greg has mentored me. And I thought, well, it's just on a whim. I'll go ahead and do it. But it's turned into this whole new career, yeah. as you said, where I'm just all over the country uh, doing the keynote presentations. And my whole message during a presentation is everybody can be a hero. Yeah, that's a great and, message. And just, just why we're talking about here, how you can help out your community. And, um, yeah, they're just keeping me all over the place. I've got a new booking agent, a gal out of Iowa, that uh, she's upset because we're going to have to shut down for a month for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Maybe that's, yeah. time, maybe that's when she can take a vacation. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, that's just great. So, you know, as we move through, you know, some more of your story and some of those things that you're, you're working on, you know, we talked about Arizona and some of those different things. And uh, I know you're, you're extremely tied to Arizona, as, as I am as well. Just, just on a whim, like, what is, other, other than the Prescott area, which I know you love, what is your favorite thing about the state of Arizona outside of other places that you've been, and why did you stay here? Well, the, the diversity of the state, and especially... Um, when I was a motorcycle officer, like I said, we worked the whole state of Arizona, border to border, all the four borders, you just name it, and the diversity from the Indian reservations down to the vineyards uh, down in the southern Arizona to the Sonoida area to the Flagstaff area, the Grand Canyons. In fact, I was a river runner for part-time through the Grand Canyon and got to know that very well. Uh, but just the diversity. Now, I, I like the Jackson, Wyoming areas and the California beaches, but just Arizona is home. I I live at the base of Granite Mountain, so I look up at an eight foot thousand mountain every day. Oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah. I, I I try to go over and uh, get fishing over there at uh, at Prescott as much as I possibly now, can. Your wife and family mm -hmm. are pretty much natives. Go pretty deep with Arizona. Is that correct? Yeah, Frank was talking about the Grand Canyon. My uh, my wife's a sixth generation, and her family came here from uh, from back east. Uh, you know, in the eighteen hundreds, and her grandfather is William Wallace Bass, uh, which was the very first white man to settle inside the Grand Canyon, and he blazed the trail from the north. Grand Canyon to the South Grand Canyon and helped the Indian uh, community down in Havasupai establish a trading route uh, that had never been there before and uh, you know really interesting part of uh, our family's history uh, as my wife and I had a daughter four years ago and you know now she's part of the seventh generation of Arizonans that are you know all of that so just just you know that history with that my wife has and me being a native uh, you know I feel exactly the same way as you and I've literally been all over the country with Voice America and also in the military uh, and 
of all places that I've been, I always just keep coming back to Arizona, and I could never see myself living anywhere else. Uh, if anything, I just need to get out of Phoenix and, and get, <laughs> get, get get into a rural area where I feel a bit more comfortable. Yeah, what, yeah, <laughs> not not being a native and not growing up here. Yeah, I grew up in Rhode Island, uh, but I lived in Las Vegas for six years, Beverly Hills for a couple of years. I've been I've now been on the West Coast longer than I grew up in the on the East Coast, but. What I like about Arizona, I'm starting to get a little uh, angry with the heat, but, you know. <laughs> That's why we got to I'll still take that over snow, but it's just any two hours in any, any direction is something different. Uh, and, you know, if you want to see change of scenery, uh, you know, if you want snow, if, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter what you, if you want good camping, doesn't matter what it is you're looking for. Within an hour to four hours in any direction, uh, you could be over the border enjoying a uh, tequila sunrise uh, in Mexico, or four hours north, you could be in uh, uh, Vegas gambling. I mean, there's just so much that you can do. Uh, outside and inside the stage. Yeah, all we need now, Jeff, is we need the L.A., Las Vegas, Phoenix Hyperloop. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> well, you know, maybe Frank can get that done for us. Well, it, it, it's so funny. It's so funny here in Prescott. There's bumper stickers, uh, no Cal, because we have so many California people moving over. And then let's put the cowboy back in Prescott. Yeah, because absolutely. the California people are coming over and wanting the... Uh, wine bars, the sushi shops, and so on. So it's yep. just kind of fun up here. They, it, as long as they can just keep everything like the inside of the A1 Palace, we'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in fact, we're filming there. We're, uh, we're doing a couple major scenes inside the palace. That's yeah, cool. That's my favorite place to go to when I visit Prescott as an as a eating establishment to go have a couple of beers. And uh, Jeff, if you haven't been there, I would love to take you there. It's really cool. They, oh, have, they have like Doc Holliday's gun on the wall. and like uh, all see, these, I would dig all yeah, that Yeah, and they, stuff. Ha- they have all these really cool uh, things that the guys used to use back in the 18 and early 1900s, like how they cheated at cards with the little pieces that go up their <laughs> sleeves. And, you know, so they have all that laid out in the A1 Palace. And then, of course, they have fantastic steak. Cool. Well, <laughs> I, I'm in for that trip. Frank, uh, going back to the movie, uh, what's it like to be on set making a movie about yourself? Well, we I'm not on set yet, but we're starting all the set design. Okay, that's Wednesday. And, 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 yeah, and, and they've hired me as the techo advisor, so I will be on set every day. It uh, sounds exciting, but it's the more, most boring job in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you sit there for 12, 13 hours, and... Uh, you look for mistakes. Yeah. And, and, and it's mistakes in police procedures and mistakes in movie Frank versus real Frank and uh, movie Kitty, who is my wife, girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Versus, and, uh, but it's exciting to watch, especially, uh, it, it looks so, um, I can't think of the word, like it's not really happening on film. How, how could this possibly be a movie? Right. And then when they start doing the dailies and just start the minor editing and then do the final editing, all of a sudden you got this, wow, this picture. Let's hope, wow, this is a good picture. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. I'm excited about uh, about the show for sure, about the movie. Yeah, you know, if you guys need any uh, audio help on set, just let me know. I'll be, I'll be glad to drive up. <laughs> uh, I understand. Who is, uh, who's doing the production for the movie? It's uh, Triple Three Films, which is owned by Greg Reed. Okay. And, uh, there you go. Yeah, we've got we've got executive producer named Mark Gold. The director is Theo Davies, an Englishman, but uh, I forgive him for that since I was stationed in England. So. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of a fun cast, especially um, when we talked about Chips earlier. 
Um, Larry Wilcox has a minor role. Okay. And then uh, Robert Pine, who played Sergeant Criter in Chips, has a major role, a starring role awesome. in the movie. Oh, that's cool. So we're just bringing that whole connection back together. I suggested uh, that the casting contact them, and I never thought they would accept, and they did right away. Nice. So, and then we've got guys like uh, uh, Tom Sizemore, a major role in there. Yeah. I remember Saving Private Ryan and other adventures. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Pat O'Brien, Dale Dickey, um, just some nice names in there. Is Tom Sizemore playing you? No, no. We have a young man, and it's a period piece from 1950 to 1980s. So yeah, I, was, I saw that guy's the, picture. He looks pretty good in a cowboy hat. Yeah, the, uh, the actor playing me has to be in the mid-30s. Yeah. And a gentleman's name is Andrew Steele out of Australia. Okay. He's, uh, he's very popular in Australia, but this is his first U.S. production. That's awesome. And, and like, like you said, he looked very good in the cowboy hat, so that was a must. He had to be good. Yeah, I think I saw, the, I saw the picture when you had come out on social media, and you were like, this is the guy who's playing me. I was like, right on. He looks like a cowboy. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, with all of this going on, I mean, you've done so much in your lifetime. Uh, what's next? Well, the, the speaking circuit is just going to take off right now, and I'm happy on that. I, I, I don't want to retire. I don't want to just sit around. And uh, we're already getting all the requests for, um, especially a lot of back east appearances. Yeah. To uh, right when the movie is finished filming, that we can talk about that and then spread the message. Everyone can be a hero. Well, you know what, Frank, I want to thank you for joining us today on the show. It was a real pleasure to have you. And one of these days, uh, I am going to keep hounding you to do a, a show on the Influencers channel. Yeah, and Frank, the next time that uh, you come up to Phoenix, ping Jeff, let us know that you're here. We'd love to go, you know, catch a lunch Absolutely. or, you know, just hang out and say hello. Uh, you know, as you know, our office is just right here uh, in, in Phoenix over by the airport. So uh, when you when you come on down uh, down the hill, let us know. Yeah, and especially when it cools off down there a little bit. I'd be yeah. more than happy, too. Yeah, October. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you in I'll late October. That one. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, Frank, thanks. Uh, before we go, uh, is there any URLs or anything you want to push or promote before uh, we wrap up here? Well, yeah, thank you for allowing me to do that. I've got a book that came out. Uh, the movie is based on this book, based on a true story. Uh, Hollywood, if it was a true story, it would be a documentary, so Hollywood exaggerates a little bit. But the book is called Wish Man, just like the movie, and it's available on Amazon. And then people can go to my website, wishman1, the number one, dot com, wishman1.com, and follow awesome. the adventures of the movie, what I'm doing. And then I'm on Facebook, too. Just follow me on Facebook. Yep, yep. interesting yeah. stuff on Facebook as you talk about that. Again, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, Frank Shankowitz, the uh, founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. You guys can go get his uh, book, Wishman, and, of course, check him out online at wishman1.com. Follow everything Finding a Frequency at findingafrequency.net, and, of course, all over Twitter, at Radio Ryan 1, at Jeff Spinney 2. And you guys will uh, come right back after these messages. If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends, you set them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. 
You're tuned into Finding Your Frequency with hosts Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. Connect with the show. Call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. And welcome back to Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Jeff Spinard. I'm your co-host, Ryan Treasure. Welcome back from that commercial break. And joining (laughs) us now, Mr. Matthew Earl Jones. This gentleman has worked on both sides of the camera in film and in television, uh, as well as commercials. Uh, and also in the music industry. It just keeps going, man. <laughs> <laughs> he has over 30 years production experience in the Japanese, New York, Los Angeles, and Phoenix markets. Recent credits include Furious 7 and Celebrity Judge for Arizona Idol. Jones has produced national and international television commercials, including one starring Queen Latifah, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Ray Charles with past clients include brands like Banday America, Castrol, Chevrolet, Home Depot, Honda, Lipton, McDonald's, Nissan, and many, many more. Matthew is currently the director of the Arizona Office of Film and Digital Media, a.k.a. he is the film commissioner. <laughs> Mr. Matthew Earl Jones, welcome, Matt. Thank you, Jeff. Good to see you. Good to see you. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Good to see you guys. Good so, to see you, Ryan. You too, sir. <laughs> Tell us what you've been up to. Last time I saw you, you took off and went to L.A. What's been happening since? Well, I produced a feature, and I'm back. And as you so kindly said, I'm now the film commissioner. We yes. use the short title. <laughs> he's and the commish. He's the commish. <laughs> and, you know, my job is to sell Arizona, mm-hmm. to sell Arizona as a filming destination. And it's easy to sell something you believe in when you have a great product. Absolutely. So I've been film commissioner a little less than a year. And, you know, we go to trade shows, we just built a website, we're getting the word out, I go to film festivals and everything we can do to get people to realize what great resources we have here in the state. Awesome. Awesome. Now, obviously, we just talked to Frank, uh, and they're doing a new movie in Prescott. Yes. uh, Wishman. Uh, what is your role in that, or did you bring that to the to the you, table? You know, I can't take credit for bringing it to the table, and, and I have to give major shout-out to Frank. You know, the, the producers wanted to take the movie to New Mexico. I heard and we already that. We already lost the movie of the firefighters, and I really appreciate Frank standing up and saying, no, this is an Arizona story. Mm-hmm. This deserves to be told in Arizona, and we need to use Arizona people in Arizona locations. And you know what? He made it happen. He just would not yeah. budge. And the film office got involved and tried to find some discounts and some mm-hmm. deals to make it more cost effective and, and close to New Mexico. But the whole community, Senator Pierce up in Prescott, rallied around. Yeah. Basically, everyone in the town got behind this project right. and decided that this had to be done in Arizona. And, it's, and I am thrilled, and I think this is a great start for us as we're demonstrating our viability against other states, most notably, obviously, New Mexico. Sure, sure. And the fact that Frank, you know, as as he so delicately put, he is an Arizonian through and through. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Yeah. yeah, that's actually what I was going to mention was, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's got this passion for Arizona that, you know, transcends even somebody like myself who was born and raised here. Because I know he's not from here, but he's been right. here for like 65 years. And uh, just to kind of hear him during our interview talk about, you know, how much he loves Arizona, you know, that actually leads me into a question for you. And you talk about how easy Arizona is to sell because it's something that you can get behind. Um, obviously, you probably have that same passion about Arizona as you're out there as the film commissioner trying to get people to come here. I've been here 15 years. I have a family here. I have property here, and I'm not leaving. You know, I <laughs> left for anywhere. I left for a minute to produce a feature in LA, but I'm back for good. Yeah, that was just a work trip. That was a work trip. So <laughs> how, how did this come up? Well, just walking by, and they said, "Okay, we." Need you know, I was walking by the state capitol, and they had, they had, they had, you know, they had a sign, and I had one commission. You know, needed. Will, yeah. you know <laughs> will will film commission for food? You know, and they, and they, they saw me. No, it was I um, knew some of the people who were involved in the selection committee, and I said, "You know, if you haven't picked someone, I'd love to throw my hat in the ring." And I wrote a five-year plan, and it was submitted to them and also to the Arizona Commerce Authority, where, where the film office is housed. And I said to them all, I said, like every good plan, there's not an original idea in it. Right. These right. are all things that have worked in other states, worked in Canada before. And I said, I think that these things will work, and I think if we do these steps— Arizona will be back as one of the prime shooting destinations in the country. Has it been a lot of work for you to kind of get the film office kind of back to, you know, some type of a workable state? Because I think it was kind of, um, it was inactive for quite some time. I think it it stopped working in 2010 and then just recently came back online. That's correct. It was closed from 2010 till uh, December 1st, 2016. So basically we were closed for six years. So, and I, I inherited a hat and a pen. So, right, right. <laughs> you know, and and a and a a book that was printed in two thousand seven. So yeah. in a way, it's like a startup. So anytime yeah. you're starting up, but we have such a rich history, and I think there's a lot of people who had been really you know ready for a state film office. They had missed it. They were looking. Our local film commissioners have done an amazing job, and they really carry the torch. But now that there's a state film office, we have a way to kind of pull everything together. So it's for a startup, it's been relatively easy because there's been so much support. Wow, that's awesome. It's excellent. Um, and what's your day-to-day look like? I mean, you know, you have to sell the the state on, this is the, the place to do your movie. Right. What's that look like? I mean... Insanity. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, the good news is we are very, very busy. Mm-hmm. You know, we, uh, I was hired December 1st, December 3rd, they sent me to London to a huge international... That's cool. Uh, trade show for locations and then in uh, April I was in Burbank for the location show so you know a couple of shows under our belt people are aware that we're back Mm -hmm. and I think with the recent announcement that we were funded for another year I think a lot of people thought maybe this is a test Uh, and so you know I think there are some people who were really hoping that we would be a viable entity but we're kind of waiting to see didn't want to necessarily get behind it. Since the announcement was made on August 10th, the phone has not stopped ringing. How's the state support, like from the governor's office and Doug Ducey and those guys? Are, 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 is everything being very supportive from, you know, kind of, I guess, the, the political hierarchy structure to make sure this all has the, the legs that it needs to keep going? Everyone has been very supportive, you know, starting obviously with the governor, uh, who comes from business and who is, you know, is very forward thinking and, and I think has seen the viability of of the industry and the money that it brings in. And of course, Sandra Watson, who is the president and CEO of the Arizona Commerce Authority, she has gotten way behind us. You know, she supports the office. 
Uh, she has an open door policy, so if I have a question, I can always just knock on her door and, and, right. and come in and talk with her. So, and we're in the same floor as tourism and the Arizona-Mexico Commission. So there's a lot of synergies between film and tourism and then f uh, film across the border. So I'm blessed to be surrounded with all the resources necessary to make it happen. Right. That's awesome. Listen, I got to ask this as a journalist. What's it like to be uh, James Earl Jones' brother? Uh, <laughs> you know, and I, you would think that because that's been asked of me, I would, I would have a, I'd have a, I'd have a, I'd have a, I'd have a I, I, you, you did, and you would think I would have that perfect answer. Um, it's probably the reason why I'm not an actor. You yeah, know, the, the, right. those are those are pretty be, with my brother and then before him, my father or our father. Mm -hmm. Those are big shoes to fill. No, it's um, you get a good exposure to what it takes to be successful in the business. Yeah. He's an incredible role. He's a role. hard working man. You know, he is, and this is not betraying a secret, this was a Jeopardy question, but he is one of the most well-known voices on the planet. And yes, yet he, he stutters. Is. Ah. So when you, when you think that someone who has a speech impediment right. could actually be one of the highest paid voiceover artists in the world, that's not someone who is tall and decides I'm going to play basketball. Right. This is someone who took a liability and polished it day after day after day into an amazing asset. Right. So, you know, if I ever think that hard work is being asked of me or, or the days are a little long, I, I don't have to look too far right. to see someone who has really, really dedicated himself to every day being better than he was the day before. Sure. And I, I just try to do my job every day a little better than I did it yesterday. That's awesome. Now, that, he that, also has that deep That's finding voice, a frequency you know? right there. Yeah, that that's is finding, finding a frequency. frequency, absolutely. Yeah, he has that deep voice. You know? So, you know, that gives him the height in the basketball game. Yeah, you know, I, I absolutely, I'm, he's a very hard worker. Very hard worker. But he did have that natural, I think, voice that... You know, he does, and it's also, I think, and again, it's to the hard work, while he does have that natural mm -hmm. physicality, because of his stuttering, he right, learned right. to catch it and to pause for dramatic effect and incorporate that into dynamics. that amazing speaking voice. So, it's again, while he has certain God-given talents, he really has polished his, his craft and his assets uh, into a huge industry. Well, when you talk a little bit about industry, do you see, you know, a major shift happening here in Arizona as far as film is concerned? Because I know... Uh, it's a beautiful place to shoot. And uh, do we have some cool stuff that's already in the works in the pipeline that's going to be coming to Phoenix or Arizona in general in the next short term? We do. We just shot a, a movie down in Tucson, uh, which was funded by people from Tucson, which is really great because when you can involve the local community, not only from the crew standpoint and the talent, but actually from the business side and the funding, that's a great step. Obviously, Wishman starts next week yep. and then we have another movie that came in from Europe that's going to go up to Navajo land but it's going to bring 1300 hotel nights into Holbrook beautiful so things are you know I, on the corner. I am yeah. I am seeing a huge in, in, uh, increase in the business at the end of this year we'll have a baseline we'll know what we did for 2017 and then our goal is to grow by a sizable percentage every year that's great. Well, good luck to you on that, this whole project. Uh, I know you work hard. You and I have 
known each other for several years now. Many, I, many years. Right. So, and I've watched you do different things, and we've worked on different projects, and I got to say, you look damn fine today. He's got a nice suit on with the tie. Almost looks like a politician, but well, there's a little the bit. Of, there's a little bit of politicking yeah, in this yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. I, I wasn't. Imagine. I wasn't aware of how much, but uh, I have some very good teachers over there at the Arizona Commerce Authority that kind of helped me through. There you go. There you go. So, what's the website now uh, where people can find out about what's going on with the film office and kind of keep in in touch with, with 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 what everybody's doing? They should go to gofilmaz.com. Gofilmaz.com. I I like to film AZ myself. You know, we're going to have much more of it. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, so, as you work for, uh, through this year in 2017, um, what is maybe one of your most favorite projects that you're working on in in, in bringing some film here? Well, I think we have, we're going to be at the American Film Market, which is also Location Expo. And we're going to have a really large booth. We're going to be there for eight days. And I think, you know, in the same way that a lot of people were reassured when they saw we came back for another year and that we're, we're here to stay, I think this will be our third trade show within a 12-month period. Excellent. And so people are starting to see, you know, Arizona's back, Arizona's serious, we're doing all the major events, we're doing the things the way a state needs to do to market itself. You're getting out there, you're doing you're the things you're there. supposed to do. Exactly. So. exactly. And what's that website again? Uh, well, it's the AFM. Go so, well, GoFilmAZ. GoFilmAZ.com yeah, is our website, but you can find our the American Film Market slash Location Expo. That's where we'll be uh, from November 1st to November 8th. Awesome. Excellent. And a voice mark can help out in any way or back you or support you. We would love that. You know, I'm going to call you. You know, I'm going to call you. Yeah, I know. know. We know each other. We (laughs) go back, you know. Yes, we do. We go way back. So, yeah. (laughs) Matt, listen, I want to thank you for coming down today. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, Next time we'll have you on for the full hour. But thanks for joining us. My pleasure. uh, Anytime. anytime. Absolutely. Guys, go check out the website, gofilmaz.com. Find out what's going on with the film office. I want to thank Matthew Earl Jones for coming into the studio today and dropping a little knowledge on uh, on how he's doing as the commish over here. Guys, go check us out on social media, at Radio Ryan 1, at Jeff Spinney Tune, of course, all over Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Finding Your Frequency Net. And you can follow all things Finding Your Frequency on the website at findingyourfrequency.com. Stay tuned, and we'll be back next week with more Finding Your Frequency right here on the Voice America Variety Channel.